For my boss ladies that love traveling the world, get ready to sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 12 of The Boss Lady Investor. Good morning, and wow, are you guys in for a treat today? So today's guest is just in her young 20s. She has accomplished so much in such a short period of time. If you are a travel lover, you are going to absolutely go gaga over this episode. Mara has traveled to over 42 countries and 47 of the U.S. states. Um, She's blogged from all over the world. She's backpacked. She's taken two gap years, and she's done all this on a very realistic budget. She's traveled solo. She's traveled with family. She's traveled with friends. Not only has Mara traveled extensively on an amazing budget and kept her costs very low so she could continue traveling, but she's also had several major accomplishments along the way. One includes that she traveled all the way across the United States from Virginia to Oregon, over 4,400 miles. And then she did another bike ride from Alaska to British Columbia that was another 2,000 miles. She has spent over 21 months outside of North America in non-English speaking countries. She's also become an avid pole dancer and is mastering her inverts, which I am very jealous of because I just started working on mine. She's a wonderful, fun, bubbly personality coming to us from Montreal, Canada. Mara basically takes any amazing opportunity that comes her way, loves thinking outside of the box, and has accomplished so much in such a short period of time. So before we get started on the podcast, just a brief reminder in case you didn't know, I have recently launched my book, uh, The Boss Lady Investor, You Don't Need a Dick to Understand Money, which is available for you on Amazon, on Kindle and paperback, as well as in Barnes and Noble. And I hope you guys grab a copy, learn a little bit about how you can start saving, investing, and hopefully travel the world one day as well as you become a boss lady. If you do get a chance to read it, please give me a review as that really helps me out a lot. And you can get the review on Amazon's a perfect place. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe or give me a review on the podcast as that's how podcasters get the word out and get to share all this fun information and stories with other boss ladies. So with that, we're going to get started and hear about Miss Mara Yule. All right, guys. So we are here with Maranella Yule, and she goes by Mara. And right now, um, she is with us from California. But like you guys know, she lives in Montreal. And I gave you a little bit about her background, and we're really excited to have her on the show. So, Mara, so that the listeners can know a little bit more about you, can you go a little more detail into who you are, where you came from, where you're at in your journey, and just kind of tell us a little bit of an overview of your story? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so, yes, I'm originally from California, um, but then I went to Boston for university. And from there, I was able to study for six months in Argentina, where I really got fluent in Spanish. Um, that was a very crazy journey for sure. Um, 
just because I thought, you know, it's a study abroad program, right? So I'll take some like easier classes while I somehow managed to find the more difficult ones for a non-native Spanish speaker. Um, but at the same time, I, I loved it because it got me to my level of Spanish today. Um, then after graduating uh, my university in marketing, I went off to live in Europe for about a year and a half in Prague. Um, where I was able to find a marketing job and teaching English as well, which was absolutely amazing experience doing both. So both of my passions, language and marketing. Um, and then from there, about six months just traveling Asia. And then finally, I was like, well, let's try Montreal. Then I can learn some French. Um, and I'm closer to, to home and some of my other like friends and such. Uh, and it's been great. And my French, uh, my boyfriend just called me earlier today and he was like, yeah, you've improved so much within the eight months we've been dating. I'm so proud of you and all this such. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's been an exciting several, several past years since I graduated university for sure. That's awesome. So, okay. So let's deep dive into some of that. So Argentina. That is a yeah. country that not a lot of Americans get to travel to, um, just for whatever reason, because it's not it's not as far away as you would think, like Africa, Asia, or Europe. But we hit those places a bit. So tell us about Argentina. What was it like there? I've heard amazing things about it. And how was your experience in your first living abroad? Because um, I know that's something a lot of people want to try doing, but they get nervous and they're afraid there's going to be hiccups. So what did you experience when you first got there that was shocking, was scary, or was just awesome? So, yeah, so growing up, we, at least in California, like in my high school and such, we learn a lot about Europe. And so I always wanted to go to Europe, but I took a year off between high school and university to travel. And part of the that year I was traveling with my father and he was like, no, what, I want to go to South America. We need to go to South America. So we did six weeks in Peru and six weeks in Argentina. And I absolutely fell in love with Argentina, which made me decide to go back again for my uh, study abroad experience. Um, so I had a little bit of cultural knowledge of Argentina beforehand, um, but it was still a bit of a shock because I was traveling with my dad before. So there was still English. We were in hostels. So it was a lot of English. But this time I was with a host mom. Um, all my classmates were native Argentine or um, native Spanish speakers from Spain, for example. So there were days that I didn't speak any English and that was um, very uh, nerve wracking um, just because it's not your native language. So just communicating and being able to like, so there's phrases and vocabularies and different uh uh, words to express different things. And so in English, I don't have that in Spanish because I'm native. So it was definitely the first couple of weeks uh, was definitely a shock to, to my brain, I guess you can say. Um, but then also the sleeping late culture and the eating late culture, and it's very heavy meat. So if there's any vegans or vegetarians, uh, be, be warned about Argentina. And my host mom, she would tell me she had has had intestine surgery, um, but she would never eat any vegetables. She would make a salad for me. And I was like, oh, do you want some? And she's like, no, no, I don't like, it's just for you. And she would just have meat and bread at the table. And I was like, well, that's probably why you're having surgery on your intestines. Exactly. Yeah. I have a, I have two foreign exchange students that are living with me right now. One's from Germany and one's from Denmark. And I exchanged as well. I exchanged in France, um, multiple years growing up. So, um, and they're both heavy, heavy meat eaters and I'm a pescatarian. They're having the opposite struggle. They're both like, do we really have to have more vegetable? And I'm like, no, it's actually good for you. And they're like, we just don't like that. <laughs> so yeah, I asked them the other day, I said, 
what's one thing you could change? And they're like, listen, we, you're the best toast mom. They, we get along really, really well. We have a really fun little, mm-hmm. they're like, but we do wish you ate meat. <laughs> so <laughs> running your giant boys are about six foot four tall and they'd love a little bit more. Yeah. On the flip side in Argentina, you're right. It is so heavy meat cultured that vegetarians and pescatarians and vegans would need to just be a little uh, conscientious of that going in. So, right. Well, I mean, I, I like meat. I, I eat meat, but it was, it was way too much for me. Like at the end of the six months, like, I think when I got back to America, I, I became vegetarian for like a week. I think like, <laughs> I, I was so missing everything, broccoli, cabbage, like anything. <laughs> so cool. So, and was it scary to live on your own in another country for six months? Um, well, I wasn't really on my own, right? Cause I had my host mom and we went to a painting class together and she, um, directed me to some tango classes. So I wasn't like truly on my own. I guess you can say my first time living alone in another country would be in the Czech Republic. Um, cause I had to find jobs. I had to work out the visa situation. I had to find an apartment. Um, I didn't like just go in uh, with a program type of thing. So how did you end up in Czech Republic? Because that's a, a another unique place for an American to end up. Is yeah. It's not somewhere you normally think about. Um, and I'm going to let people know if they go, tell them what your blog is, because there's a ton of stuff on there about the different countries you visited. Um, so they can check that out if they're listening. Yeah, my blog is uh, My Open Passport, M Y O P E N P A S S P O R T dot net, N E T. Um, yeah, and I talk about Czech Republic, the visas for it, um, and teaching English there, and um, also throughout Europe. But how I got there, so on that year off I was talking about after university or after high school to university, um, I did a lot of Western Europe, so France, Spain, um, Germany. And so I was like, well, I want to kind of go somewhere new. I haven't done a lot of Eastern Europe at, at all at that time. Um, so I had a friend in Budapest. So I was like, okay, I'll start there. I'll fly in, I'll see her and then go from there. Um, and I knew I wanted to teach English as uh, an income because I didn't know how marketing would work because I don't speak any of those lang- the Slavic languages at all. Um, I didn't know if English was a uh, language in the office type thing. Um, so I was like, okay, where can I go to get TEFL certified, which is te- teaching English as a foreign language. Um, and Prague came up and it looked beautiful. The city is so beautiful. Fortunately, it's kind of a weird history, but fortunately um, they were given over from the allies in World War II to Germany. So there was no like major war conflict to destroy the buildings, but unfortunately they were just, handed over to Germany. So it's a bit of a, I don't know, for me, like, it's nice because we get to see the architectural beauty, but at the same time, it's kind of like, oh yeah, we, the Westerners didn't really treat Prague people very nicely at that time. But anyway. And so how did you end up finding a job? So you got the teaching English as a second language job and then you found an actual job. Yeah. I was just applying, um, I forget right now, I think it's expats.cz um, website. It's kind of like an indeed.com. And uh, yeah, I was just looking at marketing or cafe jobs or whatever, just to do something to see what's there. I, there was some like voiceover, uh, a dubbing, uh, voice acting type jobs too for English. Um, and then I just found my, my company, which actually were founded in America. Um, but they had an office in Prague. So they were looking for Americans, um, for like visa purposes. I'm not quite sure the whole legality there, but, 
I mean, I was legal to work in Czech Republic. I was an American, so it kind of worked out. Um, Yeah, no, it was a small startup company. So I got to learn a lot about marketing because it it was small. So we had to do a variety of things and I got to get my hands uh, dirty, if you will, with it. All right. And so that was your first time living on your own in a foreign country, like completely on your own. And how how was that transition? And then how did you find a place to live? How did you manage money when you were there? You know, that's a big undertaking to go somewhere. Did you have assistance or did you just scrape by? Did you Airbnb? What, how did you make all that work? Um, so in terms of staying, I did a lot of hostels. Um, I'm also very fortunate to have some a wide variety of European friends from different countries. So also if I was happened to be in their city, I got to stay with them for free, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't go with the program. And also the visa thing was a bit complicated for my personal situation. Um, I'm dual citizen with Canada. So I did the visa through my Canadian passport. Um, while I was still in Europe. So I had to like send my passport to my uncle in Canada. Then he had to send it to the embassy and then back to him and then back to me. And it was, I recommend people to stay in their like country, do the visa process and then come to Prague because my, my process was very complicated. But um, yeah, I just researched a bunch of information online and I actually went in Prague. I visited embassies asking them like how it was to work. or the police station um, for foreign uh, foreign guest individuals to like ask them, um, which in Czech Republic was also an issue because they're police for the foreign citizens or what have you, but they can't speak English. They have to speak Czech. So you have to bring a translator with you. So luckily one of my friends uh, was kind enough to take time out of her working day to come with me to the police station to help me translate. So that's cool. And then, so did you stay in hostels or with friends the whole time or did you ever end up getting an apartment or? Uh, yes. Yeah. So then when I finally got my visa and decided uh, to like finally move to Prague, because there was some time. So I was traveling around a bit while I was waiting for that whole visa process I was explaining. Um, yeah. So one of my friends, it just happened that her roommate was moving out at the same time I was coming to Prague. So I just kind of moved in, um, which was so nice um, because the housing situation in Prague is, I don't want to say it's bad, but you just have to be prepared. Like once you go see the apartment to give them the cash right away. Um, So there's no like here in America, it's kind of like you see the apartment, you might wait a day and call the landlord, the property management, like, Oh yeah, I, I want it. And then you sign it. It's like, Nope. Like you see it and you hand over the money. Um, so some of my friends were on Facebook, like groups, like, and then as soon as a new post hit saying, Oh, we're looking for a roommate, they would like, let's go see it right now. And so, so I was lucky. I didn't have to handle that stress. Um, which I feel like I earned it after my visa passport, uh, experience. Um, but, and then, uh, the property management was really chill with having foreigners in their apartment. I mean, it is rumored that they charge more for foreigners, but I guess that's also fair because they don't know if we're only going to stay six months or three months or so it's kind of a risk on them. Yeah. Cause you could leave and go back to the States and what can they really do? So yeah. Risk. Yeah. So, and then how did you manage um, money when you first got there? How did you, for someone that if someone's looking to go abroad and live abroad and try to find a job abroad, how, how do they manage, how did you manage your money situation there? Um, so I also have a useful personality in the sense that I don't like spending money. (laughs) 
Um, I mean, I do unnecessary things because sometimes you have to, you know, like um, in Montreal, the winters are brutal. So you have to get a nice jacket because just to be warm, for, for example. Um, but in other things, I, I like cooking. I don't really like eating out. So for managing my money, I didn't really eat out as much. Um, even though I wanted to try local foods, Italy was a lot harder because Italian food is very awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I tended to, when I go in back to the hostel, uh, would make pasta or when I was out touring, I would make my own sandwiches and bring it with me. Um, which was also cool because then I got to see grocery stores and it's, it's different everywhere. Um, like pricing on different things or the layout or what's available, what's not available for food. So that was also a cool cultural experience as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and then when I went out, because um, often water isn't included when you buy a meal at a restaurant. So I wouldn't get any any drink. I wouldn't get a beer or water or anything to help. Um, and I'd have a water bottle in my purse for later. Um, so these are, and this is all, it's truly great trips, tips, like what you're saying when I studied abroad and I'm significantly older than you, but it was the same thing back then. I was in France and Paris is super yeah. expensive and college kid, you know, I didn't have anything. I was living on student loans and I didn't want to walk out of college with so much debt, you know, so I didn't take as much as I could have, but instead I carried a giant water bottle around yeah. all day long. And I had little French sandwiches. Um, I'm sure croque monsieur and croque madame that I had a croque madame yeah. every day for lunch because $4, you know, it was something I could afford. Yeah. And I worked out, even like drinking, like wine's cheaper in France than yes. water. So worked out pretty well, <laughs> you know, but I, there are certain things that I had to do. I did not eat out lunch every day. I didn't eat out breakfast mm -hmm. every day. And the university that I was at, I had the meal plan there and it was not as delicious as a French restaurant, but I was a college yeah. kid. So that was the choice, you know, that was the option I had. And that's how I was able to to do a trip like that is I, you have to be so frugal. And on several of the podcasts we've had, the women that are able to live lives like they want to travel mm -hmm. and to have freedom, making your own food is a key thing that almost every one of them has said. I still, to this day, make myself a tuna fish sandwich for lunch almost every single day of the week. And it's like a $2 yeah. meal and it's delicious. And I, and it gives me protein. I'm good to go. So um, yeah. So great, great tips. So when you were in Czech, you then traveled at that point around Europe? Or? Yeah, so my visa was for a year. Um, but how things worked out, I was only in Prague for about nine months. Um, but the rest of that year and a half, yeah, I was traveling more um, Eastern Europe, like I was saying. There was some Italy and some Spain and Germany since it's right next to Czech. But I spend a lot of my time in the Balkans, which was such an eye-opening experience for me because I didn't know anything really about them there. They had this huge war in the nineties and I didn't really know. I mean, I was really young if like one or two, maybe at the beginning of that war. So I don't, didn't know much going on, but um, yeah, I learned a lot. And in Bosnia, Herzegovina, you can really still see the effects of the war on buildings, bullet holes, bombed out buildings and stuff. And it's 20 years later, pretty much um, 30 now, I guess. Yeah. So uh a lot of our listeners, I'm going to help them out here because I know they're thinking this question, where and what is encompassed in the Balkans? Because we do not learn about yes. that area in our geography. 
So tell people where that is, because I'm sure there's people wondering and they don't want to ask that. So if you can tell them what the Balkans encompasses, that'd be awesome. So it's basically Italy, east of Italy um, and north of Greece. Greece, you can consider the Balkans as well. But since it's part of the EU um, and the Schengen zone, which um, the Schengen zone, I like to say, is the EU is rules like the EU, but for non-EU citizens. So um, a lot of Americans and Canadians only get 90 days out of 180 days to be in this zone. So France, Switzerland, Germany and Greece. Uh, You get one stamp once you enter and then one stamp once you leave, no matter like if you enter France or you exit uh, Greece, um, that's the Schengen zone. Um, But the Balkans, such as Croatia, Serbia, Albania, Macedonia, um, Romania, Bulgaria, they don't they're not part of that zone. So each country has their own tourist um, tourist rules. You get uh, a certain amount of days in each country. yeah, so you get a, pa- a stamp in your passport. If you leave Croatia and enter Serbia, you get stamp Croatia, stamp Serbia, as an example. Okay. And, and were you scared going into any of those countries? Because they do have interesting histories. And I know, like, Croatia, really safe now. And a, and a lot of people don't know it's a great vacation destination, like resort destination, right? Um, for Europeans. Uh, yeah, Europeans, but especially now after Game of Thrones. Um, so for sure. Yeah. So I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but uh, like everyone else on the planet did. Uh, so yeah. So uh, but yeah, Croatia I've heard is great. And then even Turkey. Um, my, my two boys, they tell me that a lot of Europeans will vacation in Turkey because they have awesome resorts and it's very inexpensive there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that, that also going back to the budgeting thing um, helped with my personal finances because it was the U.S. dollar is a lot stronger than the Croatian or the Serbian um, currency. So it got to go uh, further. But in terms of safety, no, I didn't feel any danger. Um, that being said, I was always aware. So like I didn't go down dark alleys or cross dark parks or um you know, kept, didn't like talk to random guys at bars type of thing. So always aware, but I didn't really feel any specific, um, like, Oh, like unrest. Romania was a bit strange feeling, but I didn't feel unsafe. It was just, uh, they just have a very unique culture, um, that I just found interesting, but not unsafe. I didn't feel different different than us. Yeah. 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 And then, all right. So you did, the Balkans, you you previously done Western Europe, um, much more mm-hmm. expensive. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. but still manageable. There's definitely ways you can do Europe inexpensively or less expensively. Uh, yes. And then after you left Europe, you came back and that's when you went to Montreal? Uh, yeah, then I went to Asia for about six months, um, traveling around, um, went into China, um, which was a very interesting experience uh, just because of the internet restrictions um, and other factors as well, but a lot to do. Like we are so heavy into internet nowadays with social media, especially. Um, And a lot of people do get VPN in China to access Facebook and even Gmail. Gmail is blocked, but I was there two weeks at a time for a total of a month. But uh, first time was two weeks. Second time was two weeks. And I was like, you know what? I need a social media break. So I didn't get VPN and I made sure um, any Gmail that I would have gotten, I would go to a different email address that I could access. Um, so, yeah, yeah, a lot of, again, Americans are undereducated about a lot of what's going on in the world. So in China, they do have blocks where you can't go on Facebook, you can't go on social media, you can't go on Gmail and certain sites that they don't 
want people to see. So can you explain that a little bit more? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the government just has blocks on different internet, uh, sites. Um, they do have like their own version of Facebook and WhatsApp. I, when I was there, WhatsApp was blocked. It, it goes back and forth. Um, WhatsApp is a, a messaging. Um, I know a lot of Americans don't really use it, but it's a messaging tool like Facebook messenger, what have you over data instead of regular texting. Um, so they have a thing called WeChat, which is kind of a messaging um, way, but also it incorporates social media so people can post pictures and likes and comments. But also you can pay via this app um, and they don't really use cash or credit cards there. So there was certain vendors I would go to buy a drink or a sandwich and they're like, yeah, we don't accept cash, only we this WeChat app and I don't have a Chinese bank. So I was like, OK, well, I guess I'm not buying anything here. Um so yeah, iMessages were fine if you have an iPhone. Um, I was using my old iPod Touch, which is one of the first um, touch screen iPods uh, to contact um, my, my dad, for example, who also had an iPhone at the time. Um, and then my mother, I was just emailing from a, a Yahoo account, a email account. Um, but yeah, no, Snapchat doesn't work. And uh, like Netflix either, like a lot of our normal social media stuff it it doesn't work over yeah. there so where else in asia did you go to this particular trip i was in the philippines uh, my mother is from the philippines so i have family there so that was um, really lovely the last time i saw them prior was like 12 years um, so now my cousins have little little kids of their own so that was really cool to to meet them uh, and then i got scuba diving certified which is amazing highly recommend the philippines it's a lot cheaper um, but also they have such beautiful waters um, and the food is delicious but I am slightly biased for that um, then I was in Cambodia and Malaysia um, and Hong Kong and uh, yeah then I went back into China and then I, I flew back to the States after okay, that cool. and were you alone on that trip or did were you with anyone uh, yeah, no, I, I was alone. My dad met me in the Philippines for some scuba diving. Um, and then the second time I was in China for two weeks, uh, my Czech friend, who I mentioned earlier that helped me translate, she actually came to China to visit me for two weeks. But most of the time I just met travelers in hostels and uh, traveled with them. So, for example, in Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur, I met this woman from Britain and we just hit it off and it was funny uh one day so the first day we met and we're like okay let's like hang out so we we're going we're going and then at lunch we stop and i'm like okay so tomorrow we could do this and then next day we can go here and do this and i was like oh my god i'm so sorry i just assumed that we were going to keep traveling together she's like no i totally assumed that too like perfect like i'm glad we're on the same page and so for a week we just traveled together but um that's partly why i love traveling because you could just connect with, connect with people different individuals yep and it's and so. it's easy friendships there's no drama you just do the job you have fun um one of my really good friends is a traveling nurse and or she she's not now but she just stopped being a traveling nurse and she would meet random people and they just go do different adventures together in the countries that she lived in and she would yeah post pictures of like her in a beer bathtub in some random country with a girl that she just met like funny stuff you know but stuff that it, she wanted to do and she didn't have anyone from here that could go with her for that long. So she made travel friends. So it is a really unique experience. And um, mm. one thing I wanted to touch on that again, I just think Americans in general are 
we just don't know as much about because we don't have this is hostels. So hostels, yes. yeah, here, I don't know that many exist. And if they do, they're just not very well known. But in Europe and South America and Asia and other parts of the world, hostels are considered very safe. They're not like the movie. And, yeah. <laughs> and they're very inexpensive. And they're a great place to meet other young travelers. When I mm-hmm. stayed abroad, we would do weekend excursions and we'd go to Spain or we'd go to Holland and we'd stay in a hostel. And that's mm-hmm. how you traveled and it's how you met people. And we'd all go out for the day and explore and stuff. And um, But again, extremely low cost compared to a hotel or an Airbnb or anything else. Uh, I'm assuming they're still extremely low cost compared to everything. It's been a few decades since I've done it. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, it always depends. Like there's always going to be hostels that are a bit more uh, expensive than others. Um, I've gotten... Uh, good, I guess you can say at reading between the lines on reviews for hostels. Um, so for example, if the, like a lot of reviews say how the atmosphere is so, so great and it's so social to me, it probably signifi- signifies that it's more of a party hostel. Um, so it just depends on what you're looking for at the time. Yeah. Um, if, if you do want to party or you are a big museum lover and you're like, no, I, I don't want to party because I want to see a museum every day and have well rest. Um, so, so yeah, there's a hostel for everyone. There's with breakfast, without breakfast, towel included, not towel included. If you want a six man room, a four man room, women only, so many options. The bathroom thing was a big one at first when I, because again, we don't share bathrooms. Like you growing up as a child in the U.S., there's no hotel I've ever stayed at that we shared a bathroom, shared a shower yeah. with other people. And then your first hostel or my first hostel, the shower was down the hall on the right and you waited your turn. And if it was locked, that meant someone was in there. And so, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's a unique experience, uh, but fun, super fun. Well, my first hostel experience was when I was 18 on my gap year. And uh, yeah, I mean, 18, we, I mean, a lot of teenagers think that, you know, we're adults and uh, we know everything and stuff, but um, it really meeting older people. I mean, also when I was 18, I thought people who were 26 were like really old, Um, but now I'm 26 and I'm like, okay, I (laughs) I was wrong when I was 18. But, um, but yeah, I was able to meet all these older older people and I learned so so much from them being at such a young such young impressionable I guess you can say age like um sexual encounters that not me but like I've seen from other hostile people um or yeah or just people partying I I wasn't a big partier in high school or anything so uh, seeing like more drinking and Europeans or have been drinking for when they were a young child um well I don't know how young but like 13 14 is kind of accepted uh so then also seeing other Europeans and how they treat alcohol it's different than Americans and and all those things so yeah it was definitely a very eye-opening experience at 18 for me yeah so and it's interesting that you took a gap year because a lot of people don't. And I think it's awesome. A couple of reasons. One, most people aren't going to get that experience or that opportunity again in their lifetime to just say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm in high school before I move on to the next stage or some people are done with college and before they move on to the next stage, go see the world while you can do it inexpensively, while you can travel without expecting to be in a luxury hotel when you like, and when you're young, I think they're more, like now I wouldn't stay in a hostel and that sounds super snobby, but I'm 42 years old and I've, I've worked, 
you know, the last 20 years so that I can stay wherever I want, you know? Yeah. But at 21, at 19, at 16, you could have put me on a bed in a living or a couch in a living room. And if I got to go see Spain, sit sleeping on the couch, whatever, that's fine. You know, Yeah. a great, great time to do it. And so what, what was it in you that I think a lot of kids feel the pressure that you graduate high school and you have to go right to college. And if you don't go right to college, yeah. you can't tell your friends and they're going to be posting on social media, all these things. And so they don't take the opportunity to travel, which is cooler than any social media posting ever could be. So what was in you that made you do that and not be fearful of missing out? Uh, so senior year in high school or my, my last year in high school, um, I was talking with my dad and it was like, do this time. And I guess you can say it's it, gap years are uh, a family tradition, but I was, so for example, my grandfather, my dad's father, um, he went to university, but partied too much and got asked not to come back. So then he went off and traveled and worked in uh, uh, like diamond mines or something. I'm not exactly sure um, what he did, but then he went back to university, became an engineer and had a successful career and family and things like this. My dad um, went to university. He liked sleeping and so didn't go to class and got asked not to come back. So then he joined the U.S. Navy and traveled the world and then went back, became an accountant, a CPA and um, had a successful career and family as well. So after this family tradition, I guess you can say my dad was like, I know you're a better student than my father and I. But maybe you should take a break <laughs> just in case. And so I was like, okay, that, that sounds good. Like I like traveling. And I also was, I'm privileged to have two very well-traveled parents and they took me traveling as I was growing up. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. But as acceptance, and I still applied to universities um, just to apply. And there are some that said you can defer. So yes, we'll give you the acceptance. And then you can say, oh, I'm going to show up the next year, not this year. And they'll they'll keep it. They'll um, hold your scholarship and everything until you actually do show up. Um, but as I started getting acceptance letters for these universities, I was feeling that. And I was seeing my my friends get excited and buying sweaters. And I was like, wow, oh, I, I really I really want to go. I want to have this experience. And especially Hollywood shows you, you know, like that university life. And I was like, oh, I want to. And dad, my dad was like, you do what you want, like if you want to go, you go. If you want to travel, you travel. Like it's totally up to you. There's no wrong answer. But then I was like, well, I'll still have that university experience just a year later, but I might never have this travel yeah. experience again. And I don't know. I, I just, it just clicked for me that way. And so then that's why I picked the traveling, um, which I'm so glad I did. Cause I think it helped me in university too. Um, with like studying and, and stuff. I did have that break. So I guess family tradition is, is correct for at least my family that maybe having a break before studying is good. <laughs> well, it probably made you more appreciative of the global issues, you know, and just seeing the world and seeing different perspectives of life and, and understanding how valuable education can be if, if you want it to be um, and how we are very fortunate in this country to have... We Pretty strong education system. I mean, I know other countries have phenomenal ones as well, but ours is pretty strong as far as university. So I'm going to give you a better global perspective on just kind of how lucky we are. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So, all right. So now let's talk about you started a business very yes. recently, right? Yes. So tell us about your business and what made you decide to start your own business. And I'm sure it's been perfectly smooth sailing the whole way through. But this <laughs> 
question. Um, tell us kind of the struggles of what, what you've experienced and where you're at now and where you want to go. Yeah. So um, I started my own marketing agency. Uh, so um, doing content marketing from like SEO blog writing to social media, copyright, but also graphics. Um, and I can do it in Spanish as well. Currently working on my French uh, to a working professional level right now. It's coffee conversational. Um, so yeah, no, it's been good. I started November 1st as a full-time uh marketing freelancer agent. Um, I don't know. It, it has been smooth in the sense that everything is what I'm expecting it, I guess. Like, I know it's not going to be easy. I know I'm not going to like make thousands of dollars like the very first day. Um, so, so I was expecting that, uh, but I, I have managed to get a few contracts, which is awesome in a month and a half. And yeah. I've been networking a lot and not, and yes, like networking, for context, but just meeting other great women, entrepreneur women and um, getting their insights and it, it's all a learning process. So, um, so I, I've been loving the journey so far because I feel any experience is good experience um, as long as you learn from it um, and how I got there. Well, I moved to Montreal. I joined a marketing agency, um, which was weird. It specialized in online gambling. So that was a very unique industry for me. Um, but I learned a lot, uh, about marketing and campaigns and everything. Um, but then unfortunately they had a lot of company reorganizations and they told me that basically I, I would just be at my position for a while. Like there's, I won't be able to grow anytime soon. Um, and I, I like anyone, I, I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. And I didn't want to be in my position for years. So I decided to move to another company. Um, no hard feelings. I really enjoyed that company, but um, I didn't want to wait around. So my new company was a small startup medical device company. So from online gambling to medical devices. Um, but yeah, after a couple months there where I was running the marketing department, but it wasn't not to speak bad of that company, but it, it just didn't live up to my expectations. I was asked to do more personal assistant tasks than, than marketing. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to go to a third company and, and see, and I, I want to work for myself and to manage myself and, and everything. So I was like, all right, might as well do it now. Um, I have nothing to lose. I, I don't have kids. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a car. So I don't have these big bills. So why not do it now? And worst case, you know, there's plenty of office jobs, so I can get another one. And I'm still teaching English on the side. So that, that helps a lot. Um, so, yeah. So what do you want to grow your business into? And also, you said you got some contracts. So actually, let's back up to that. You got some contracts. And are they long term contracts? Are they short term? Or did you get them through networking? Or how did you manage to land your first contracts? Um, actually, indeed.com. Um, they're long-term, um, it's paid per article I write. So, um, I just check out an article as they call it. And I write it up meeting their specifications, like keywords and um, word count and all this such. And once I submit it and they approve it, then I get paid. Um, so it's very flexible in that way. Yeah, no, in indeed.com actually, uh, which I've t connected with a bunch of other freelancers that I've met. Uh, in Montreal and a lot of them have said 
uh, they use Indeed too, um, but most most say word of mouth uh, is their main source. So, and you're and you're pretty young to use the word networking, um, which is a great word. It's because it's a way that you actually build business. And a lot of times, people in their twenties don't realize the value of networking. And it's not just getting the job, like you said. It's it's actually meeting people and getting to know people. And you and I met through an internet networking group on Facebook, right? Yes. Yep. So. Um, and I do networking physically, like in my town, in my city, in my county, mm-hmm. in my state, and then also online. So what types of networking are you doing that um, you think is helping and helping you make those connections? Yeah, it's the same. So online is a big one. Um, there's so many people, like we're all connected via the internet. So that's a huge one, different Facebook groups. Um, also the meetup app, meetup.com. Um different there's like running groups on there um or business groups so um for example there's one group i've been going to um, once a week which you just meet for coffee and talk about business and so sometimes you know i mean finding a new client is always ideal but it's not about that it's just connecting with other people and you never know maybe they will have someone for you or they know someone who knows someone who'll have someone for you um so also through another um, website called alignable um, I connected with this artist and she invited me to her exhibition and I met so many cool people there and, um, just got up coffee with them and talked to them about me. They talked to, they talked about themselves to me and, um, so yeah, kind of like you within the city, on the internet, um, within my community. Um, well, and I think yeah. things like the art show and finding things that you enjoy. I remember when I, so I started in finance and um, I worked with a bunch of the wirehouse firms in New York city and I was at mm. the time, and there's still not a lot of women in that industry, but at the time on Fridays, all the guys would go golfing. Well, nothing against golf, but I just don't enjoy it. Yeah. It's not my thing. And so I always felt like that was how they networked, and they would get closer and they were, it was easier for them to close deals because they had that bro mentality that they'd all hung out. They, you know, golf yeah. together and I couldn't offer that. So I did learn to golf and I did take my reps golfing so that they didn't feel left out. But I also have learned over time that if I network in areas that are better for me. So I started playing, well, I've always played tennis, but I started playing tennis on Fridays when the guys would go golfing. And that's how I got mm-hmm. you know, clients eventually, but it wasn't, I didn't go for the purpose of getting clients. I went because Fridays we were allowed to go do that kind of thing. So I would go and play tennis with my girlfriends. Well, then you develop your relationships. And as relationships develop, if someone's looking for a service you provide, they're going to trust yep. you more than they trust someone that they don't know. Typically, some people are weird and won't do business with friends. And that's fine. And that's their thing. But most people, like I do business with people I know and trust. And I meet them through networking and getting to know them. So I think yes. it's really cool that you're doing that at a young age because it took me a while to figure that side of business out. Yes, exactly. Doing something what you like and just networking that way. Um, and also back to budgeting. So I recently picked up pole dancing, um, which is a fantastic sport, actually. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, but it is rather expensive because it's a specialty. Um, so I was like, well, I have to, you know, cut my costs. Like I'm not making like my original salary anymore. And my boyfriend was like, no, but you love it. You can't, you can't do that. And even my dad, he was like, no, you shouldn't give it up. You should keep going. And yeah, so I, I'm going to keep doing it and I love it. And I've talked with, you know, made friends in my classes and they know that I'm marketing and 
I'm looking out there and one woman had already reached out to me um, for some work. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to exactly help her out, but I was able to pass it on to someone else that I knew. And, and that way, like if he has something for me and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like just keep doing what you love and things will work out. Well, and I'm so glad you brought that up. So I've been taking pole dancing too. And, um, ah. <laughs> and it is a phenomenal workout. It's super fun. Um, I have no stripper aspirations, but it is no. <laughs> fun. It gets me out of my comfort zone because most mm-hmm. moves are not natural for me. And the yes. workout is it's great. And the camaraderie. So in my pole dancing class, so I wrote a book, every single girl in the, in my class, they were some of the first people to buy my book. I didn't take pole dancing with them in hopes that they'd buy my book, but yes, exactly. Yeah. We went for bonding for fun. We have a blast yeah. doing it. And they all did. And actually, I'm gonna, my instructor is going to be on the podcast here soon. Um, so that'll be a fun one to listen to. So, But yeah, it's finding those fun things and not being afraid to step outside the box and just be true to you. If I said to some of my friends, let's go pole dancing, if it's not their personality, they're going to talk me out of it. So I just said, I'm going to go do this. If you want to join, join. And suddenly, some people wanted to join. So if you will, after this podcast, if you have any pictures, I've got a really funny one that I use. Um, and I'll post it on the notes from the show. Um, I'll, I'll show you, I'll send you an email with mine so you can kind of see what mine is. It's hilarious. And I actually just, okay. Instagram. so yeah, that's funny that you say that, but yeah, you've got to find those things that you really enjoy doing. And, and if they're healthy, even better, if they keep you in shape and yes. keep you alive, it's even cooler. So cool. Yes. So, all right. So then, um, do you use social media? I'm assuming, I'm assuming quite a bit for marketing. Yes. Um, it's a love hate thing with me because, uh, since I love traveling so much, I want to be in the moment. And that's one thing pole dancing has shown me is like, you can't running. You can kind of let your mind wander, but pole dancing, you can't, you have to be aware, like where your hands are and like holding on and all these things. Um, so social media, like if I'm taking pictures of traveling, or whatever I'm doing, I'm not really being in the moment because I'm so concerned about posting on social media. However, as a marketer, that that's social media, it's the new marketing platform now. So it's a love-hate relationship with me with social media. But yes, um, uh, Instagram was always a big thing. Um, but since more my target audience is more like they're not really on Facebook anymore. So I'm doing more Instagram and Pinterest. I feel like eventually I'm going to have to learn TikTok. But as of right now, I feel like it's a very young demographic, like 13 year olds. So I feel like I still have some time. <laughs> but so the, I did, had never heard of TikTok. Obviously, it is not in my demographic that I'm in. So over Thanksgiving, my nieces, um, they were like, hey, Aunt Crystal, let's make a TikTok. And I was like, I don't know. I thought it was like a uh, boomerang. That's what I thought it was like. And I thought I was cool just to know what a boomerang was. So <laughs> we made a TikTok. And over Christmas, I was back visiting again. And they were like, we've had so many views. And I, I'm like, I don't even know if that's good. Like, how many views is good on TikTok? And they're like, oh, no, like, we're like TikTok famous on our, because we did this whole dance routine. And I, I obviously don't have TikTok. But you're right. It's And you're smart to see those trends. I fought Instagram and still fight Snapchat. Um, which I shouldn't, but I really fought Instagram because Facebook is my generation and Facebook, mm-hmm. it's so huge and it's so time consuming that, I, and remember like we didn't have any of these things when I started my working life. So to learn them, mm-hmm. figure them out, we didn't grow up with them. And then you figure out Facebook and everyone's like, now it's Instagram. And I'm like, no, it can't be Instagram. I just 
figured out and then I was on Pinterest because I do art but no one else was so I left Pinterest and now everyone's like yeah Pinterest is it I'm like and then Snapchat I can't I still can't I'm I know I should but I the first time I I did a Snapchat account my daughter's 21 and uh she was like 19 or 18 at the time and I got on Snapchat and I liked her or friended her whatever you do on Snapchat the first snap I saw I was like I don't know that I wanted to see that. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. for me, um, and you know, she's an adult, she can do what she wants, but that, yeah. yeah, I just, I got scared and I was like, I can't be on Snapchat. So, but yeah, now TikTok, and I'm like, please don't let any more of these things get invented because I cannot keep up. It's hard. It's really, and it is a love hate yes. for everyone. It's if you're growing your business, you have to be on social media, but you people like us that like to travel and are entrepreneurial we do love being in the moment because we love life. How do you separate? You know, it's a really hard thing to figure out. When do you just put down the phone or can you put down the phone because it's your lifeline to business? Well, yeah. And also, I mean, people nowadays trust brands with social media presence, but also how active they are in social media. So especially if you're branding specifically yourself, you have to show like who your personality is, what you're doing all the time. And yeah, I don't always want to be posting Instagram stories and doing live Instagram or Facebook videos and such because like I have, I want to be with who I'm with. Yeah. Yeah. But if you, but you have to too, because otherwise you're not relevant and someone else, it's so competitive. It's an interesting thing. And I'm sure over time it will start to settle itself out like everything does. But right now it's really, really, it's intense on the social media stuff. So I'm hopeful that it slows down a little bit. Um, but you have to create, I can't just be posting, Oh, here's my book. Here's my book. Here's my book. And here's what I do. You have, people have to know who you are, your interests, what your family life is, what your friend life is, what your workout schedule is all that, because they want to know that you're not just selling something. That's not, no one wants to follow someone that just sells. And so cool. Well, before we wrap up, where, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, Instagram, Pinterest uh, are my top two. One of my New Year's resolutions is to start a YouTube channel, actually. Um, so, but all my handles are my open passport. So it's basically the same as my travel blog. Yeah, I'm more using my social media to promote my travel blog. But in a way, because of the marketing, I figured at least how I'm branding my, my marketing is they get to see who I am, my interests, and connect with me more rather than be a marketing Um, social media account that is like all about marketing tips and all these things just to give more insight to who I am and if they want to work with me and yeah and my interests and if we can connect and who would be your ideal client for marketing right now I don't have like an industry um, or anything but in terms of personality just someone open communication I love discussing ideas Um, that's how I I think things through is talking things out Um, so being able to talk with my potential customer like easily um, and uh, yeah and just open to different ideas outside the box ideas I guess like just kind of being able to take the leap with me um, and different things so I don't want to always try the the path everyone goes on you know because the social media, like anything can happen. So, right. And so someone, if a new entrepreneur came to you and said, look, I'm new, or maybe I've been around for a little bit of time, but I need, I, I need marketing. I'm not getting my word out there. 
what kind of services do you provide to help them? Uh, yeah, so social media. So I'll help manage their social media accounts um, and create their like graphics for the social media. And if they want to do a video route, I can do or podcast. Um, right now, I'm volunteering with uh, a nonprofit organization for human trafficking, and they're doing podcasts. So I'm writing their podcasts podcast scripts um, about different uh, case files or um, like signs of human trafficking and all these things. So um, that's also available. And then just blog writing for SEO um, and translation as well. So if they they're comfortable with like the English market, for example, or the Spanish market, and they want to break into the new one um, available for that. Uh, I took a few translation courses in university, so I don't use Google Translate. (laughs) (laughs) So it is a helpful tool at times. (laughs) At times, yes. At times, yeah. But that's pretty awesome. Because again, most Americans, we only speak one language. Um, When I tell people I speak French, they're always like, what? Why? I'm like, why, why not? I like learning languages. So, and I just learning yes. Spanish and Italian and I've been working on a little Danish with my Danish student, but that's nice. That's a really tough language. And as you and I have both decided, it's also not very useful for most of the world. So I'll probably go back to the Spanish and Italian for now, but it's fun. Them. So, all right. So if someone wanted to hire you to help them with marketing, where would they go? Um, well, they can contact me via any of my social media platforms, but I also have a website with like my portfolio and other brands I've worked with. Um, it's just my name. So Marinella Yule, M-A-R-I-N-E-L-L-A-Y-U-L-E.com. Um, not sure if you wanted me to spell it out or not, but uh, yeah. And uh, they, my email address is there and other social media links and everything. So um, I feel like I have my contact information almost every place possible um, for this reason. Just I don't want anything hidden. You know, I want every information out there. Cool. Be transparent. Cool. Well, we'll put your information on our site as well. So it'll be out there. And then. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And before we wrap up, we have um, five questions that I ask everyone that's on the podcast to answer. And they're just fun questions. Okay. There's no right or wrong, obviously. But um, so who is the woman that you admire most? Um, that would be, so yeah, I saw that, uh, in your email before and I was thinking about it and it just came to me, uh, that would be my older cousin. She's actually my first cousin twice removed or however that is, um, Jackie. Um, my middle name is actually named after her, but, uh, she worked in marketing for a little bit and with her husband, they like retired early or something. And she was doing freelance for a little bit as well, but they traveled the world for like 20 years straight like constantly moving. Um, and now she started her own like purse business and it's very successful and they're traveling doing trade shows for that. So yeah, I think in that way, like I really admire her cause she's, she's got it all the entrepreneur, the traveling, um, her and her husband have been married for several decades. So like, it's, cool. I don't know. I, yeah. Awesome. 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 And what is your favorite self-help book or just a book you'd recommend to other women out there? So one of my favorite books is a romance novel. So, um, but it's called A Knight in Shining Armor and it has to do with time travel. I, I really like time travel. Um, so a knight from medieval times comes into the future and he's coordinating like, what are these cars? And like what, what people shower every day, like not once a year. And this woman, modern woman helps him. Um, and then, yeah, things happen. I don't want to yeah. give it away. Yeah. Cool. Cool. What is your favorite hobby? And I think I might know this if you say travel. Yes, travel, but um, pole dancing. Yeah. Uh, I love it. So did you have any background in dancing before you started? Um, like most 
young children I did ballet from like age four to ten maybe nine I don't remember very young but no I, I wouldn't say I took some tango classes but no I, I don't I wouldn't say I had background in dance yeah I, I danced as a little kid ballet and jazz but was never a dancer per se and it was yeah. a little intimidating because I'm like I'm not flexible I can't do a split so to go to pole dance yeah me neither yeah and so for anyone listening, if you're interested in trying pole dancing, you don't have to be flexible. You don't have to be able to do any of those things. It's really fun. So, Well, that's partly why I love the sport so much really quick is that you don't have to have a specific body type. Like anyone can, I've seen bigger women like do crazy tricks. I've seen um, like older women, like you can, it, I feel like it's a sport that is so open to everyone. It is. It is. I love it. So what's the last thing you did for fun? Um, well, the very last thing I think would be playing a board game with my family. It was a new board game we tried. Um, I really like board games. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that would be the last, last thing I did for fun. Awesome. And what is one item on your bucket list that you have not completed? Um, I'm afraid of telling you this because I feel like you're going to have more questions and we don't have enough time. But uh, another bucket list item or one of the bucket list items is to travel um, somewhere in Chile all the way to the bottom of Argentina by bicycle with my father. Um, we did uh, two long distance cycling trips. One of them was top of Alaska to Victoria, BC. Nice. And uh, he's going like all the way by bicycle down to the bottom of Argentina. But I, I don't want to do the whole thing with him. I just want to do like the end because I did the beginning with him. So that that's on my bucket list to do. It's just a matter of when he gets there or if he gets there. That's awesome. Well, if you do do that, please blog about it so we can all read about it. Um, yes. And also posting, but enjoy your trip as well. So, okay. And I have one more question for you that was not on the list, but I think you probably know the answer. And if not, give a guess. So you're 26. How many countries have you visited? Uh, I only know this because I have a New York friend who's very stereotypical New Yorker. Um, and she's competitive with me in traveling. And so one day she made me count all the countries I've been to. So 42. 42 countries at 26 years old. That's awesome. That's amazing. So keep it up, the travel going. There's no other experience like it. So well, yes. I wish you all the luck in the world in starting in marketing and your business. Um, I have anyone listening, reach out to her. Let her know if she can help you out. And then um, we'll post some follow-up links on the um, podcast so people can find you. And I appreciate your time. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season in California. And thank, thank you. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. All right, guys, so that was Mara Yule again, sharing with the world how she has managed to travel many, many countries around this great planet and how you can do it too on a realistic budget and still find ways to make income as you do it. So I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast and I hope you are all getting ready for an exciting 2020. Make sure you set your goals, write down your goals, and if you're looking to uh, take a charge of your finances in 2020. You know I have a great book recommendation for you. Head on out to Amazon.com, buy my book, TheBossLadyInvestor.com. You don't need a dick to understand money. If you do buy the book or if you've already read the book, if you would give me a review on Amazon, I would be so appreciative as it really helps me out to spread the word about the book. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, as you know, please hit subscribe, give us a rating and review. And if you have any questions, want to reach out to me, you can always reach me at thebossladyinvestor at gmail.com. 
So until 2020, keep reaching for whatever dreams you want to accomplish. Remember that with consistent hard work, anything is possible. And no matter what fears you have, no matter what challenges might be in your way, just take a deep breath because boss ladies, you got this. Oh,